0: I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's got to be a way to do this better. My,
1: my grandmother and my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of FOX. Light
2: bulb moment. Like, that's a
0: complete game changer. You
1: can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 looks so much different than it did back that long ago. And
2: boil it down into one saying, it's quite simply this. It's be stronger, live better longer.
0: Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. The podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. And if you are someone that is interested in aging with strength, then you too, I think, will enjoy this podcast. My name is Jim Shear, and today our co-host is Occupational Therapist with Fox Rehabilitation, Kelly Williams. Kelly, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here.
0: And uh, you've been working all day, correct?
2: I have been working all day, that's
0: all right. I, I, I feel guilty for making you do this after a full day of work. <laughs> Can I repay
2: you somehow? I'm going to have to think about that, maybe. Okay. I
0: think of something good. The, the offer is the on the table. But Kelly, you are here today because I want to revisit an article that you wrote for our website last year titled, Care of Patients Post-Stroke, The What, How, Why, and What Now. Here's why I like doing this podcast. Inevitably... It's a fact of life. We will have friends and family members that have a health crisis. And when that happens, we usually run to Google and try to learn as much as we can, whether it be about Parkinson's, dementia, or strokes. But I like having a healthcare professional next to me, so I can just ask you these questions.
2: Ooh, see, I'm ready.
0: So my first question, and it's it's one I think I might be able to answer What is the medical definition of a stroke?
2: So the medical definition of a stroke basically is it's just a disruption of the blood flow to the brain. Um, It can be from a clot or it can be from a bleed. Um, And then the disruption basically causes cell destruction um, because the blood that normally flows through our brain carries oxygen and nutrients. And when we don't have that blood flow, um, it can result in damage or death of the cells.
0: And at the beginning of your article, and I, I really like this because it al- it also shows off that you're a great writer. You said knowing your patient had a stroke is only ten percent of the story. So you, as a clinician, you have to find out the other ninety percent. How tough is that?
2: So it's tough. I mean, you know, when you when you get a referral for a patient and the only thing you see is stroke or CVA, cerebral vascular accident, it's So broad. Um, So when you go into that home or you go into that clinic or into that hospital room, if that's all you have, it's not it's such a small piece of the puzzle because stroke can present so differently in different people, depending on, you know, the severity, the type, the location in the brain, the time since the stroke. So it can be tough, but that's where our clinical skills as therapists come into play. That's how we get the rest of the story, the other 90%. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, in your article, you talk about different phases. And can you walk me through these? There's acute, subacute, and chronic.
2: The generally accepted definition of an acute phase of stroke is the first two weeks after the event. So typically, that's going to be when someone has been into the ICU or into the ER, they've maybe been admitted to a rehab facility. Those first two weeks are the acute phase. Anywhere from three to eleven or twelve weeks is the subacute phase, and that is where we see most of our changes occur. Not all of them, but most of our changes occur in someone who's had a stroke. And then anything after twelve weeks is considered chronic, early chronic. Which I did not know this was a thing. This is a new new information for me as well, but early chronic is considered 12 to 24 weeks and anything after 24 weeks is a chronic stroke.
0: Can the chronic phase be avoided?
2: You know, that's an interesting question. I'm I'm pondering over the best way to go about answering that because I think once you've had a stroke, there are always going to be things for probably the rest of that lifetime that need to be monitored. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, stroke, you can definitely avoid the Physical effects, you can avoid contracture swarming, you can avoid dependency on caregivers, but there will be a lifetime of monitoring of risk factors and things like that. So, I don't know if that maybe was the best way to answer that question, but it's a tough question. Uh, Chronic stroke is really tough to deal with, but yes, it can be, I'm going to say, treated and managed.
0: Okay. So, as I get older, and this is stuff that I think more and more about, because I want to stay as healthy as I can for as long as I can. Can strokes be prevented? Is there anything we can do that can prevent a stroke?
2: I'm going to say that there are things you can do, yes, to prevent a stroke. There are a lot of lifestyle factors that can be changed. Um, You can limit those risk factors like smoking, um, high cholesterol diet, sedentary lifestyles. All of those things can be avoided. You can change up what you eat. You can increase your physical activity you know, medication compliance is a huge issue. And unfortunately, there are folks who can't necessarily control for some of the risk factors that they inherently have, um, but they can be compliant with recommended medication. So yes, I do think, you know, there are so many things that we can do to avoid
0: strokes, Or at least play the numbers better.
2: Exactly. Or to, to reduce our risk.
0: So are, are strokes genetic? Because My grandmother has had two strokes. Does that increase the chance that I could get a stroke?
2: I mean, I think it depends on why she had the stroke. You know, there are so many different reasons for that to have occurred. Is it because she has high blood pressure? Does she have AFib? You know, does she have microvascular disease? You know, there's so many different things. And yes, those things can be hereditary. You know, you can inherit things like high blood pressure and AFib and microvascular disease. Some of those things that I mentioned are manageable and treatable is your risk increased potentially, but while we're here to educate, right?
0: Yes, Keep those risk exactly. So once again, I'm speaking with Fox Rehabilitation occupational therapist, Kelly Williams. We are revisiting her article, which she wrote for our website. It's called Care of Patients Post-Stroke, The What, How, Why, and What Now. So as I was reading your article, Kelly, I would like underline things, some more thickly than others. I love when you wrote this. Clinicians need to understand the patient as a person. And it's almost like a Nirvana song. I think I know what you meant and I could feel what you meant, but could you explain what you meant by that?
2: Patients are, they're who we take care of. You know, they are our business. Patients are our business. And I think sometimes we overlook some of the personal aspect of that. You know, they are deep down, they're a person just like us. They have values, they have goals, they have interests. Um, you know, they may have some social issues in the home that, you know, just like everyone else in the, in the world may have. And I think we tend to overlook that sometimes. So I think it's important from day one for us to understand that patient as a person, you know, what do they love? What do they value? What do they not value? You know, what are things that they just really don't care about? Mm-hmm. Um, that helps us to guide our decision-making. And I feel like it's a big step in building rapport with those folks as well.
0: And then he also said clinicians need to understand knowing the resources available to patients.
2: You know, the stroke world is much larger than you realize until you're in it. Knowing what resources are out there for folks who can pull from others who have been through it, not necessarily from a healthcare professional that's walking in the door but from someone who's lived through it, someone whose family has lived through it, I think those resources are valuable from day one. Um, you know, There's books out there that can give you the smallest tips on daily living to make things a bit easier. So the earlier we get that information to folks, the better off. And I think the better we'll be able to manage going into that chronic phase that we talked about.
0: And speaking of underlining items in your article, I, I underline this too. How to manage risk factors. You said, educate, educate, educate three times in a row.
2: I tend to kind of take it all the way down to anatomy and physiology. Um, And I think that patients really appreciate that, you know, understanding not necessarily, okay, well, I had a stroke and something happened to my brain. Well, what happened? What happens when you have a stroke all the way down to how does it stop blood flow? Where does this part of my brain control? Why am I Why am I experiencing this symptom versus this? So I think that's a good way to start the education process. And then just like we said, you know, educate them on what resources are out there. It's so incredibly important because how else can we avoid another stroke? How else can we avoid another incident if we don't educate on how to manage that? And of course, as therapists, a big part of what we do is educate our patients and their caregivers to be able to look out for those signs and symptoms.
0: And that's how you close your article, Kelly, by listing off resources for patients and family members. So can you give a couple before we go to break?
2: Absolutely. So the American Stroke Association is wonderful. Um, They've got really basic information about stroke. There's a really good resource there for managing things that may happen in an emergency situation when you've had a stroke. There is a a link on the American Stroke Association that is specifically for um, individuals who have had a stroke. I think it's called You Are Not Alone. And basically, it goes through, you know, testimonials from folks who have been through it before and is provided, I think, run by stroke survivors. So that's a really good website. The American Stroke Association is wonderful. Um, There's another, the Internet Stroke Center is also a website that has resources regarding stroke, but also links to different support groups, national support groups, websites like the Mayo Clinic, things like that. And then for us therapists who are a bit nerdy, there is the Stroke Mark <laughs> website, um, which I am one of those. Okay. <laughs> um, but this is that website is a research based website, and there's evidence based information related to medical and rehabilitation management of the stroke. So those, I think, those are my top three.
0: Thank you for the info. And once again, if you would like to read this article written by Kelly Williams, K E L L E Y. How many people have misspelled your name in your lifetime? (laughs) My
2: my whole life, including my high school (laughs) diploma.
0: So written by (laughs) Kelly Williams, go to foxrehab.org. It's under the link, Fresh Fox Content. Or you can just look in the search bar and type in Kelly Williams. Title of the article, Care of Patients Post-Stroke, The What, How, Why, and What Now. So Kelly, will you stick around for one more segment?
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: You know it's coming up, but everybody else doesn't so let me just say this when we return on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast we will be joined by a very very special guest attention clinicians occupational therapists physical therapists and speech language pathologists we want you to join our Fox Rehabilitation talent community You can join by going to careers.foxrehab.org. And when you join, you'll be the first to know about new job openings, you'll build your professional network, and you'll stand out from other applicants. So if you would like to join the Fox Rehabilitation Talent Community, go to careers.foxrehab.org. We are back. On Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, I'm speaking with Fox Rehabilitation Occupational Therapist, Kelly Williams. I promised a special guest, and I have the special guest right now. Kelly, here is my mother. Mom, here is
1: Kelly. Hi,
2: Kelly. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Looking
1: forward to talking with you. Okay, (laughs) well, thank you for... Having me, it's an honor to be here.
0: <laughs> so Kelly, here's the situation. Uh, whenever I worked at MTV, my mom would pop up on MTV. I hosted radio shows on Sirius XM. My mom would pop up on Sirius XM. So it only makes sense that my mom pops up <laughs> on the Live Better Longer podcast. Or So Kelly, let me take you back to my childhood. We would have backyard barbecues, wiffle ball games, get togethers, concerts at my house. And whoever sat next to my mom, my mom basically barraged them with questions. And that's probably where I get it from. So right now I'm going to pretend that you came over to the sheer household and my mom is just going to barrage you with questions. But let me tell you this, Kelly, my mom, a registered nurse, also works in the healthcare profession. Well, used to, right? You're you're officially retired, right, Mom? I'm retired, but I am
1: still a registered nurse. I renew my license every year.
0: So, Mom, Kelly shows up at the house. I say, hey, Kelly's an occupational therapist at Fox Rehabilitation. What's your first question for Kelly?
1: Well, Kelly, my first question is, what inspired you to become an occupational therapist versus a speech-language pathologist or a physical therapist? Good question,
0: mom.
2: This is going to be the most far out story. When I was in 10th grade, I was in my career studies class and we were watching a video and there was an occupational therapist on the the video. She was at a school system working with a kid doing sensory integration type stuff. And I decided to do my senior project on that. So I shadowed an OT in the school system and I fell in love with it. I never went back. Although I obviously don't work in PEDS now. That was day one and then i just went into college knowing that was what i wanted to do and went straight for it that's it
1: so how long have you been an occupational therapist i was just wondering see how i brought the people with questions already
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's okay i was ready um february will be 13 years
0: whoa okay great all right so my question i want to jump in here so kelly when did you decide that you wanted to work with older adults
2: Um, after my first pediatric rotation and I did not love it, (laughs) um, (laughs) I went into, um, an inpatient rehab floor in a really small rural hospital and did my final field work and I fell in love with it. I also was a CNA out of high school. So I did nurse assisting the summer after my freshman or sophomore year of um, college. So I had already had a little bit of experience, but (laughs) once I did my PEDS rotation and found that that was actually not my passion after all. Um, I fell in love with the older population.
0: So speaking of the older population, my grandmother, my mom's mom, she's had two strokes. She needs physical assistance, but she's super sharp and she wants things done in a certain way. Right mom.
1: It's like, I don't need your help. I can do this myself. He had a, uh, Issue when she had her knees replaced, and it was a year after her stroke, so she probably was suffering like some of the effects of her stroke but um the occupational therapist was trying to work with her, and they approached my father and they said, Your wife is just not listening to us. What are we gonna do here so we got we got kind of like down to the core of it, and we said, Mom, like why didn't you listen to that occupational therapist? Is it Because you couldn't understand what they were trying to tell you to do. And it was a craft project that she didn't like with that how they were doing it. And she says, I thought my way was better. So that's why I didn't listen to them. So it it was just kind of like a almost kind of like being a little bit stubborn, you know. But
2: Right, right in those situations, we try to find control wherever we can get it. And even if it isn't yes. something like that, that was what she could control at the time. Yeah, that, that's a good point, Kelly.
1: Yeah, Kelly, that's how, a very, do you, very good point.
0: how do you strike a balance? Because at Fox Rehabilitation, we believe that people can be stronger so they can live better longer. We also want them to be safe. And then sometimes you have stubborn personalities. So I feel like it's this Interesting cocktail. How do you work that out in any given workday?
2: So I think it's, you know, like we said, the patient as a person. I just want to find out what what are your interests? What is it that you want to get back to doing? And if it really is something that is just, you know, obviously I know that it's unrealistic, but I also don't want to completely ruin the relationship that I've built with this patient. Then I might tackle it and say, you know, right now, long-term, I don't know if this is going to be accomplishable. However, why don't we work on the building blocks of what you would like to be able to do? And in the meantime, why don't we see how we can modify it so that you can still participate? Because there are so many adaptations to activities that you can do, and therapists are like top-notch at that. We're super creative when it comes to adapting activities. So I always try to listen to, you know, what it is that they really, truly want to do. But I am also going to be Realistic with them, you know. I'm. I'm. If somebody wants to play golf and they they can't stand without, you know, max assist of, or a use of a walker, then I may have that discussion with them. You know, let's think about how that would look. But how can we modify that so that you can still do that without having to manage these other physical things at the same time?
0: So, would you give my grandmother creative license when making a craft?
2: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm going to have to take some of this advice home to my sisters now and tell them that the, it was a good point, Kelly, that you made, that the patient does like to have some control of something. And I kind of feel like my mother's kind of lost that now that she's been in the assisted living for mm-hmm. three years, even though we know it's the best place for her. But she still, she still has her mind and she's still probably that's a very important part of, you know, still wants some part of her independence.
2: Absolutely. She's kind of on everyone else's schedule now and not her own. So that's really tough. Correct.
0: Kelly, before you go, can you tell my mom where you live? You don't have to give her the exact address, but (laughs) my mom may have a son in the state in which you live.
2: Oh, I live in Charleston, South Carolina.
1: Wonderful. One of the prettiest cities in the country. I love the marketplace and the horse and carriage rides and the, the prey lines. They're so good.
2: Got lots of suggestions oh. for your next visit.
1: Right, Rainbow Row, that's on the, uh, where, on the, where the water is. I forget what mm-hmm. they call that, but it's beautiful there. Yes.
0: Well, Kelly, thank you for your time today. Your work day is officially over. Mom, thanks for jumping <laughs> thank on. Your broadcast career continues.
1: Yes, it does. Because people ask me, the sisters, even though I don't work at their convent, they all move to an assisted living, and they ask me, do I still work? And I says sure, I'm on podcasts and radio <laughs> shows and just goes on and on. That's awesome.
0: So so yep. for Kelly Williams and my mom, thank you for listening to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. My name is Jim Shear and I will see Yins later.